a lovely Saturday, and as you heard with Mark Fry a moment ago, the weather is going to change midweek here in the Twin Cities of Minneapolis, St. Paul, and uh, we'll be able to uh, turn our eyes to Fort Myers, Florida, and Twin Spring training as players get into camp this weekend. Workouts begin in our first spring training game of the year, one week from today, beginning at high noon Really look forward to that. Uh, twin spring training underway, another sign of spring, and we're pleased to be joined by Twins president Dave St. Peter. And Dave, happy spring training. Steve, uh, happy spring training to you. Excited to be getting underway here and uh, can't wait for what we think is going to be a very fun, uh, enjoyable, hopefully memorable uh, twin season. And, and it was a, a very quiet off season until Carlos Correa and the club uh, agreed to a long-term deal, and then things really fell into place around the Correa deal. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think the first part of the offseason, I think, was probably slower than, than we all would have liked. Um, I, I think it, it obviously picked up, and it, the Correa saga was unique and, and, and historic in many ways. I, I'm not sure a, a player has ever signed with, with, with two teams or, or come close to signing with two teams, and ultimately ended up uh, elsewhere. So we feel very fortunate to have Carlos. Um, we know what he brings on the field, but it's really what he's done off the field that has, um, you know, makes him the, the full package. But, but, but I also think the additions of Christian Vasquez behind the plate, um, we think the Pablo Lopez trade, um, while, you know, certainly giving up a player like Louis Rise makes us, you know, just deeper from a starting pitching perspective. And uh, even bringing Joey Gallo into camp, which I, I, I think from our perspective is, is rooted in all upside and, and what we think is going to be a huge bounce back year for him playing in Minnesota versus playing in New York. So uh, we're excited. We have more depth on this club. Um, there's certainly a, a nice mix of veteran players with young players. Uh, but I just look at our pitching and overall we're in a much better spot than we were a year ago at this time. Yeah, and Dave, I'm glad you brought that up because from the end of the regular season, and and I would visit with various beat writers and and talk to Twins fans all the time, and everyone is very optimistic about the depth of the starting pitching in in the fact that the the club is is getting Kenta Maeda back, who was a very reliable performer pre-injury. Yeah, I mean he wasn't just reliable; he was one yeah. of the better pitchers in the American League yeah, pre-injury. For sure. So. Yeah, we um, we feel good about that. Obviously, we I think fans know that over the course of 162 games, you're going to need more than five starting pitchers. Um, at the end of the day, we I think we can you know run a list of eight, nine, ten, maybe eleven deep, and feel really good about uh, guys. And there's no question that the St. Paul Saints, our AAA affiliate, they're going to have a nice rotation uh, to open the year, which uh, which is a good feeling I think for Rocco Baldelli and for Pete Mackey our pitching coach, to know that you've got some guys that you can plug and play uh, if you need to due to health or, or just to give guys a rest. But, you know, Sonny Gray, we saw, you know, last year what, what he is. And, you know, he's a very, very strong, uh, formidable pitcher. Tyler Molly, who came in the trade deadline, historically has been a, a, another really solid middle-of-the-rotation guy that that, that, that that can, you know, give you a good chance to win night in and night out. Joe Ryan, Kenta Maeda. Uh, obviously add to that mix and, you know, Pablo Lopez, of course, coming in the trade. So, you know, I, I think we feel good about that staff, not just to hopefully put us in a position to win the American League Central, but also to be very formidable in the postseason. 
Yeah, Joe Ryan's just been dynamic uh, since uh, making his way to the big leagues and putting on a Twins uniform. Uh, you know, talk, talk about a great kid and what he's done on the mound, uh, quickly become a fan favorite. Uh, that's true. I mean, the Joe Ryan experience, so to speak, he kind of brings the whole package, and he has a great attitude on the mound. He's fun. Uh, he shows emotion. Um, you know, I, I think the thing I love about Joe is that there's really not a setting that's going to phase him. He, he's a really confident young man, and uh, he brings a tremendous uh, mindset to the park every day, and uh, he's going to give you his best shot. And, uh, you know, to, to this point, uh, he's off to obviously a remarkable start to his big league career. Twins President Dave St. Peter joining us on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline. And we have a ton of spring training coverage. Jason DeRusha will be in Fort Myers all week long between 3 and 6 with producer Dan Cook. And I I spoke with Dan. He's excited about it. Uh, JD's ready to go. We're going to have a lot of great Twins guests all week. And then that first spring training game next Saturday at high noon. Chris Hatterberry, Dan Gladden on the call on that one. So we've got a big week coming up here on CCO Radio to celebrate the start of a new season. And Dave, I, I wanted to kind of go back to a couple of events that are in the rearview mirror, but we had the Winter Caravan return, we had Twins Fest return, a uh, couple of great events associated with Twins Fest. Kind of a return to normalcy. It feels good. Yeah, you know, again, a year ago, you know, we were in the middle of a Major League Baseball lockout, if we remember right. So I think you know, the, the off-season was anything but normal, and obviously part of that, COVID. So this has really been the first kind of true off-season that we've had in, in, in a long time. And uh, we saw a lot of excitement, you know, obviously coming off of the Correa signing, a lot of buzz. Twins were really in the in the news, not just locally, but nationally. And then we were able to back that up with, with Winter Caravan and our Diamond Awards and, of course, Twins Fest. And, you know, I think there's a lot of excitement for, for the upcoming season, for the position the team is in, and, I think that's going to translate into ticket sales and, and, and obviously a lot of nights at Target Field where that energy will be uh, will be electric. And, uh, you know, we can't wait to get, get that rolling. And, uh, Dave, over the years we've visited about uh, the Polad family and their commitment to improving Target Field every year. Some, some improvements, some changes, making the fan experience better. And I think when fans do get out to Target Field for a ball game and multiple ball games this season – they, they are going to see that commitment as, as uh, the club continues to improve a great venue. Yeah, we you know, obviously we're proud of the, of, of the ballpark now entering our 14th season there, which is just crazy to think about yeah. that. But this year we're, we're, we've embarked on the largest offseason uh, project uh, in, in the history of Target Field. We're replacing all the, the ballpark video boards um, um, and adding a, a, a significant amount of square footage to, to some unique spots around the ballpark, all aimed at enhancing the game day experience for our fans, sharing more information, sharing more entertainment, um, showcasing some of our partners in new, different, exciting ways. So we've got a couple additional signature elements that we're going to add add to that mix as well. So all of that is is on track to be complete for opening day uh, when we host the uh, the world champion Houston Astros for our home opener on April 6th. And, uh, you know, we, uh, again, I think when you walk into the ballpark, I think fans are going to, are, are going to really appreciate what they see. And, uh, there's going to be a, certainly a wow factor to it. Hard to believe 14 years. 
I, I remember being at the, the first ever home opener with my mom and dad and brother. We still have the photo to prove it. I, I can't believe it's been 14 years, Dave. Wow. Yeah, it, it is remarkable. I would agree with you on that. And, uh, you know, as we play our 14th season, to, to think about that, it, you know, it's, you know, I think one of the reasons it doesn't feel that way is the ballpark's in such good shape. And, yeah. and you know, we're, we're blessed to have a great facility and, uh, you know, great partners with the Minnesota Ballpark Authority. And we've worked hard over time to, to keep it looking fresh and, and keep it looking new. And, uh, you know, um, but yeah, we're, uh, we've got some work to do. Obviously the weather seems to be cooperating, but, uh, we'll get our playing field in shape and, and our scoreboard project complete and welcome, uh, hopefully a sellout crowd on April 6th uh, when we host the Astros. And of course, spring training underway. And we, we've got to talk about, uh, Lee County, uh, partners with the twins for a long time, Lee County sports complex, Hammond Stadium, and that community went through a lot, Dave. Yeah, I mean, obviously Hurricane Ian was devastating to so many people throughout uh, Florida, uh, but really Lee County might have been at the center of it, Um, certainly the hardest hit. So many Minnesotans, so many people from the upper Midwest migrate there one way or another. Twins are obviously a big part of that. And, you know, our heart goes out to those folks. We've you know seen our facility used as a staging area in, in the months immediately after the hurricane, and you know, first responders, National Guard, FEMA, using the academy, using our our our, our facilities in Fort Myers. Now, the focus turns to some level of normalcy in baseball. And happy to report the facilities in, 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 is in good shape. We had some cosmetic wind damage, and we'll get back to, to doing what we do uh, and have done there since 1991, which is bringing a lot of people to that area to watch training baseball and, uh, and and we feel good about that i know what the county's open for business they're trying to you know push forward the the, the economic development in that part of the of the country and uh, you know we have a role to play there so um if you if you're planning to come down to spring training we'd love to see you um we think it's going to be obviously a, a special year and, and it all starts uh, next saturday um, as we get rolling here from uh, from the grapefruit league yeah, and Dave, everything we've heard is is that they are encouraging people to come down. That that whole open for business, and that that is yeah. a, a big way to help that area re- recover. Is is get dollars flowing in? No doubt about it, uh, Steve. I think we're going to end up selling north of one hundred thousand spring training tickets. Wow. So we'll we'll be in the upper echelon of spring training again, and uh, that that doesn't happen without people making the trip. So. You know, we've been really blessed. The Lee County has been a wonderful home for us. But, you know, we've also been good partners to them. The Twins and the people throughout Twins territory have flocked to Fort Myers each and every year we've we've been there. And, and, and I suspect that is going to happen again uh, uh, here over the next uh, six weeks. Well, Dave, always good to visit with you. Uh, I'll, I'll say it again, happy spring training. There's uh, certainly a lot of optimism around the ball club. One other thing I wanted to bring up, and uh, I, I know there'll be a lot of thoughts about uh, the Lake Mike Radcliffe uh, with with the start of spring training this year, uh, a big loss to the Twins family. Yeah, devastating loss for us. You know, Mike's been battling cancer for a number of years. He, uh, you know, joined us as an area scout back in the you know, early days, uh, mid-80s, and uh, ultimately became our scouting director and ultimately our, our VP of player personnel. And, uh, you know, one of the more beloved uh, people uh, in our organization, but really one of the most, I'd say, respected scouts in um, in Major League Baseball. And uh, when you were at his services earlier this week in Kansas City, you saw that, just the outpouring of people from multiple organizations coming together 
to pay tribute to a great man. So the Twins uh, organization has a heavy heart. Um, you know, we'll go out and do the best we can to honor Mike with with doing things the right way on the diamond and off the diamond. And uh, but yeah, he'll he'll certainly be remembered in many ways as we play uh, 2023 and beyond. Well, Dave, as always, thanks so much for the time today. All right, Steve. Look forward to seeing you again soon. All right, there he is, Twins President Dave St. Peter, uh, spring training getting underway. And a friendly reminder, we'll be there all week. Jason DeRosha, producer Dan Cook from the Lee County Sports Complex and Hammond Stadium. And they'll be there every day between 3 and 6. A lot of great Twins guests. And then, of course, the first spring training game of the season one week from today. Beginning at high noon, we'll have uh, selected spring training games on the radio all season long, then all 162, and hopefully postseason. It is 320 here at News Talk, 830-WCCO. Thanks again, Twins President Dave St. Peter joining us, setting the stage for Twins getting to work. Players reporting this weekend, workouts begin, first spring training game next Saturday. Uh, here on News Talk, E3O-WCCO. And then once again, Jason DeRusha all week long between 3 and 6. Producer Dan Cook alongside, and they will be in Fort Myers at Hammond Stadium every day between 3 and 6. A lot of great guests. Should be a good time indeed. PGA Tour, one of the marquee events on the calendar that isn't a major is Genesis Invitational at Riviera Country Club. John Rahm, your leader, 13 under Parmax, homo one back. Keith Mitchell, three off the lead. Colin Morikawa, Patrick Cantlay at eight under par. Will Zalatoris, Matt Kuchar at minus seven. Tom Hoagie at six under par, the pride of Fargo. And Tiger Woods has moved into the top 30. He's at three under par. Playing his back nine, he started on 10 and uh, will finish on nine. Uh, But uh, Tiger Woods barely made the cut. Now he's three under on the day at Riviera Country Club. Josh Wheeler is our producer. And and Josh, going into the week, asked for a Tiger prediction. One of of the golf writers threw it out there. And I, I just tweeted a response, and I said... I think he'll make the cut. I finish. I think he'll finish in the top 30. Now, not to pat myself on the back, it, it is extraordinary uh, that he's able to come back, play in his first event, make a cut on a course like Riviera, which is incredibly difficult, is, is just, once again, a testament to the legend. Just an absolute legend. And here's a guy, by all rights, on on the surgeries to his back and the fact that he almost died a couple of years ago uh, in a car wreck uh, is able to play, let alone play at this level, is unbelievable. Yeah, this this whole situation is just remarkable. Um, And it should be inspiring to a lot of golfers. I'm not saying, like, there's going to be another Tiger Woods because there won't be. Um, but realistically, there's no reason Tiger Woods should be in this situation, and because he is, I think that just elevates uh, kind of the uh, prestige of who he like of his career and the golfer that he is, and just yeah, he's basically set the bar for you know 
maybe other golfers who decide to have injuries and don't know if they can come back. This is definitely a different level of competition that he's facing uh, with that accident as bad as it was. And uh, just to see him back in it and, like you said, make at least one cut in this tournament is uh, completely remarkable. Yeah, and based on what I've seen, you know, he he can win again. Can he win a major? Um, that that remains to be seen. How will he hold up uh, remains to be seen. Uh, playing well on a Saturday. But the, the grind of the majors, 72 holes. Um, we all know about the hilliest or how hilly Augusta National is. That is the first major on the calendar coming up. But, you know, it, it, it is pretty impressive that, you know, just just the back injuries and the back surgeries uh, alone would derail. The, the, the fact that, you know, they, they've been tweaking his back surgically uh, for years now. And then got into that car wreck where he almost lost his life and and almost lost his leg, that, that he is still able to play at this level. And, you know, th- this is not a run-of-the-mill PGA Tour event. Th- this is one of the top events with one of the top fields of the year on a very difficult golf course. That that he's able to compete at this level is, is once again, just absolutely Amazing. Yeah. So uh, the uh, third round underway, John Rahm, your leader. And uh, Rahm right now, the man to beat week in and week out on the PGA Tour. And he has the lead by one over Max Holmes. So we'll check back there occasionally. Uh, Coming up, we'll talk wild hockey. They found a way to grind out a victory over the Dallas Stars in a shootout last night. And Philip Gustafson was one of the heroes in goal. Uh, Is he the... The new number one will will Mark Andre Fleury late in his career move into a backup role. We'll get into all of that with uh, Sarah McClellan, who covers Wild for the Star Tribune, following the weather here on News Talk A three O W C C O. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 25 minutes down in front of 4 o'clock here at News Talk, 830-WCCO. And we still have a lot of show coming up for you. We'll go outdoors. Steve Carney will join us following the news and weather at 4 o'clock. Jess Myers from the rink live will get up to date. College hockey. And we should point out the Minnesota Golden Gopher for men. A huge win at Penn State, clinching the regular season title. We'll talk Golden Gopher for women's hockey as well with Jess. And then at about 4.30, State Girls Hockey Tournament takes over the XL Energy Center on Wednesday and Thursday. We'll break down the brackets at about 4.30 today. Timberwolves, Kevin Lynch, Valley Sports North. Phil Miller, who covers the Twins, will join us at about 5.35. Right now, the Wild in the spotlight. Sarah McClellan joins us, covers for the Star Tribune. Uh, Sarah, good to visit with you. How have you been? I've been doing well. How about you? Yeah, good. Good to visit with you. Lovely day today. 
and the Wild got uh, key points and went all the way to a shootout, and they're able to take down the Dallas Stars two to one. They really needed that. Yeah, it's it's been kind of up and down lately. Obviously, more lulls. Uh, for the Wild recently, and it's really obviously clouded, you know, their playoff race. Um, you know, they've kind of been seesawing back and forth over that cut line in the Western Conference, and it's been a struggle overall, you know, since the All-Star break, but obviously a dip before then as well, before they won two in a row to go into their bye week and the All-Star break. Um, and you can see, you know, see that reflected in the standings, like I said, with kind of the back and forth. Um, you know, the biggest issue has just been their lack of scoring, their lack of production at five on five. The power play is, has done, you know, pretty decently to, to provide goals, but their scoring at, you know, at five on five when they're at even strength has, has been a struggle. And you've seen that a lot of narrow losses. And that's how they've also won, too, though, is, is these two one games, um, you know, eking out in a shootout. Um, so the points are valuable, but still, obviously, it's a team that's kind of rounding into form right now um, as this playoff race continues. Yeah, and really a bright spot has been Philip Gustafson, a guy that they got to back up, Mark andre Fleury. And I think some fans would argue right now, Sarah, that uh, he deserves the lion's share of the play in that, that he has played well enough and certainly had a great game against the Stars on Friday night. He's been pretty airtight lately and obviously helped the Wild Bank some much-needed points of late, um, you know, especially, like you said, in that shootout most recently uh, to make, you know, 29 saves through regulation and, and into overtime and then stopped three out of four attempts in the shootout by Dallas. Um, kind of very fitting for how he's played lately. Not a lot of pucks are getting behind him. But this is kind of how it's been pretty much most of the season for Gustafson since he and the Wild kind of turned the page on, on a slow start. Um, you know, in the majority of his starts this season, he's given up, you know, just two or less goals. He's been pretty solid back there. And at a time like this right now when there hasn't been a lot of offense for the team, you know, that's really kind of been the benchmark that the Wild has needed to limit the opposition to to have a chance in these games is keeping it one goal games, low scoring, tight checking. And he's obviously really reinforced that style with his play. Um, not a very flashy goalie, but I think that's by design. He's a very technical goalie. Um, being in the right place at the right time is what works for him. He has, you know, what the teams describe as a very calm demeanor back there. And I think that's obviously suited the team. You can see the results. But especially this time of year when points are so valuable, um, the, you know, how tight this playoff race is, his style certainly seems to be suiting the team right now. And it sounds like the plan is for him to be back in net tomorrow in the Wild Host Nashville in the afternoon at XL Energy Center. And uh, Matt Nays' long homestand continues. And, Uh, And I pointed out girls hockey coming into the XL Energy Center this week, and then you've got other state tournaments, state wrestling, state boys hockey tournament. The Wild traditionally at this time of year spend a lot of time on the road. So when this homestand is over, they've got a number of games on the road. But, uh, you know, this this one's going to go down to the final week of the season. Uh, the, The Wild have put themselves in a spot now where, Every game, every point is a big deal. Yeah, they're very much on the bubble right now. And so, 
You're right. This it looks like this could be a photo finish, but you know, having said that too, I, I think these points, just even closing out this homestand, um, could be really telling. You know, after they play Nashville, Los Angeles comes to town, and then they go on the road for a pair before they come back for two more at home, and all of that is still leading up to the NHL trade deadline on March 3rd. So there is still a little bit of a runway here for for the team to perform before that big decision day in the league for how teams might want to alter and change their roster. But, um, you know, maybe it feels kind of early. It's still kind of mid-February, but I I don't think so. I I think the way this race has been shaping up in the Western Conference, um, you know, I think these points right now could be some of the most valuable. And in hindsight, you know, we might look back at, at February as a real turning point in deciding the wild state. So, um, you know, yeah, there's there's quite a few games left. There's all of March and some of April, but I think right now the hockey could be some of the most important that the Wild will play. Sarah McClellan covers the Wild for the Star Tribune, joining us on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline. After the game last night, uh, was learned the, the Wild were involved in a three-team deal, and the Wild ultimately uh, net a draft pick and all of that. Yeah, it was a three-team deal, you know, kind of a situation where the Wild helped broker the deal by eating up some contract. It, obviously, Ryan O'Reilly's contract part of it. Um, he ultimately goes from St. Louis to Toronto. The Wild nets a draft pick back in return. And, you know, it, it really is a deal that kind of enables them to leverage their cap space. And you might think, well, you know, I've been hearing the Wild don't have a lot of flexibility financially. They have these buyouts of Zach Parise and Ryan Suter and and that is true you know the big picture hasn't changed but right now the team in season has some flexibility Um, and so this is a deal that obviously taps into that it doesn't eat up a lot of their flexibility they still have quite a bit of wiggle room where they could still add at the deadline that's still an approach this team could take to bring somebody in obviously looking beyond this season it does get tighter, you know, the flexibility and their spending power on their books does lessen. But right now there there is room to spend. And so, you know, maybe another deal like this comes along where they could, like I said, leverage and use their space to help facilitate a deal. Or again, they, they do have the means to, to acquire. Um, but a few more weeks to go, like I said, around two weeks before the deadline, so there's still time for the team to obviously make a statement, too, with, with its performance on the ice. And what, what about the idea? There, there's been some and, and a lot of buzz on social media. And granted, uh, and, and Sarah, I'm sure you, you, you deal with this all the time, uh, strong opinions among the fans that maybe it's time to bring some of these kids back from Iowa and give them a shot. Maybe that'll uh, jumpstart this lineup and create a little bit more scoring punch with some energy from the kids. Well, we've seen that just recently. Obviously, Adam Beckman was called up this yep. week, and he played Friday against Dallas and had a steady showing. So we've seen it to that extent so far. Um but on the whole, this has been a mostly healthy forward group this season. So there hasn't been, you know, a lot of turnover. And, you know, but, you know, like you said, this team is, has been struggling to score. They make a change. They call up a player who's been playing very well in Iowa in the American Hockey League. He comes in 
and obviously the team wins, you know, Friday night against Dallas. So we, I, I think that is an option there. Um, but again, the bulk of the lineup is here. The veterans are here. This is still most of the roster that'll be counted on, you know, probably the rest of the way to figure it out and figure out these scoring issues. Um, but it's obviously a tactic that the team has and one, like I said, that they utilized in bringing up Beckman and having him slot in the lineup Friday against Dallas. Do you, do you think it's fair, and I know this came up a, a lot, you know, the, the Kevin Fiala thing is kind of hanging over the team again that, you know, could have been, might have been the scoring punch this, this club needed. It simply didn't work salary-wise for the Wild at the time. And I, I know that's hindsight, but that seems to be another name that keeps coming up and uh, is a bit of a thorn in the side of general manager Bill Guerin as well. I think it'll keep coming up, you know, because of the way that Seattle has obviously continued his career in Los Angeles. And you're right, in light of the scoring struggles that the Wilds yep. have had, um, you know, you're right, the money didn't make sense at the time. There wasn't a way to afford him at that point in time with the way their books were structured, with the way that the, you know, how many and the cost of the contracts that were currently on the Wild. Um, so that's, you know, I think an isolation of a moment in time, a snapshot of where the wild were. Uh, but you're right. And I think, you know, that comparison is always just going to linger. But I think it just kind of hammers home and reinforces the fact that this isn't the same team as last season. And this isn't the same team that had that offensive jump last season, especially, you know, with the comeback wins and being able to erase deficits in the third period, a very dramatic, entertaining, but obviously offensive-fueled style of play. And this is a team that this season, when it's had success, has just been very different. It's been the low scoring. It's been the 2-1. It's been the shootout wins. Um, It's been a very more maybe economical style compared to last season. But I think that is indicative of the personnel shift and who isn't no longer here and who is. And so um, it is very much a new season and a new team. And I think Fiala's exit has only reinforced that. And I think in time through the season, we've seen that this team has kind of figured out that it's different and it has to play differently than it has in the past to win. And when they've strayed from that identity, you see the slumps and when they've, held true to how, you know, how they need to play to win. The results have been there. Well, Sarah, always good to visit with you. A matinee tomorrow. Uh, Once again, 1 o'clock start in St. Paul, uh, the Wild and the Predators. Thank you. Take care, Steve. All right, Sarah McClellan does a great job on the beat for the Star Tribune and is good enough to join us time to, uh, from time to time here on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline. We will come back. Uh, still a lot of stuff to get into. Uh, little girls hockey later on in the program. The brackets are set. And a hometown player has signed with the Minnesota Lynx. We'll have that story. In a moment, here on News Talk, E3O-WCCO. Twin spring training getting underway, players report. First full squad workout uh, coming up on Monday. Speaking of Monday, uh, the Jason DeRosha program, drive time with DeRosha, will be in Fort Myers all week long. Monday through Friday, producer Dan Cook will be there as well. 
on the air between 3 and 6. A lot of great guests. First twin spring training game of the season coming up next Saturday at high noon. I believe it's Tampa Bay Twins and Rays uh, from spring training. Uh, starting next Saturday, and we'll have selected spring training games here on the radio throughout uh, the month of March as well, and then uh, the regular season starts, and you'll hear all 162, plus hopefully playoffs. Golden Gold for women's basketball team played today, and they got beat by Northwestern, 76-62. The final today, uh, the key quarter, the third. Wildcats outscore the Golden Gophers 22 to 12. So uh, the Wildcats over the Golden Gophers, 76-62. Former Gopher Rachel Bannum has uh, signed a deal with the Minnesota Lynx. Uh, she's played three years already in a Lynx uniform. Uh, you may remember Bannum uh, played for the Connecticut Sun uh, before joining the Lynx. And Bantam, a Lakeville native. So, uh, congrats to Rachel Bantam. Back with the Minnesota Lynx for the upcoming season. Timberwolves uh, go into the break after a tough, tough loss. That that was hard to stomach on Thursday night. I had a girls' Section 4AA championship game, Gentry Academy and Hill Murray at Aldrich. And, by the way, Gentry Academy played really well, won 4-1. They're going on to the girls' state tournament, and they go in as the number four seed of that tournament. Minnetonka the one, and over the defending champ, two, Edina three, Gentry Academy four. Moorhead is a five, and we'll have a rundown to the A bracket starting on Wednesday and the double-A bracket starting on Thursday a little bit later on in the show. But when I got out of Aldrich Arena, packed up the gear, got out of Aldrich Arena, and started to drive home, I I caught, I caught that, and uh, not particularly good. Not uh, particularly good yeah. uh, for the Timberwolves that night. As our as our good friend Henry Lake put it, it it was the worst case scenario you can have as the Timberwolves heading into the break. Yeah, and and I don't disagree with that. And I heard Lake and uh, Chris Tubbs talk about it again yeah. on Friday night on the program. And you know, here here's the thing with, with the Timberwolves in this situation: final game before the break, just. Guard somebody down the stretch, and you probably win that game. And the the defensive lapses, and I know Chris Finch tried to say, well, you know, offensively we let ourselves down, but I, you know, that that is a loss that leaves a mark, considering how important they are. Now, big picture, with twenty one to go coming out of the break. They're still in good shape to get to the postseason. But we still don't know this. When is Carl Anthony Towns going to return? Um, when is he going to be available? And then um, are they going to let games like that get away 
uh, from from them like they did on Thursday night. Wizards win at one fourteen to one oh six. But yeah, just just a frustrating night uh, for the Timberwolves all the way around. I just have two and, thoughts on that real quick. So yeah. uh, the last I heard, and this is I think per Chris Finch this week, uh, Towns is slated. I, I say that with air quotes. The to come back in the last ten to fifteen games of the season, which that's that's got to be coming up close here. Um, and B, that game on against the Wizards, I I kind of felt like as I was tracking through the whole game, I felt like the Tiger kind it kind of had the Tiger by the tail for pretty much the entire game, and then finally broke through ahead of the Wolves. I feel like the Wolves never really truly had, in Tubbs pointing this out on Friday, never really had a true demanding lead, but that's not really a thing in the NBA anymore. You don't really have a 20-point, okay, good, we got this in a bag kind of lead anymore. The NBA is just different this year. Yeah, and everybody's going to make a run, is the old saying, but that that is one at home on a Thursday night, final game before the break, you got to get it done. Yeah. You, you, yeah. You've got to find a way to finish. Now, now, granted, all isn't lost. Instead of being 32 and 29, they're 31 and 30, and they come out of the break taking on the Hornets at Target Center before they go on the road and play at Golden State. And, and there's 21 to go. So for the Timberwolves now, when are you going to get Towns back? And then what does that look like? when Carl Anthony Towns, because he has been on the shelf for a long time. We have no idea what he's been able to do conditioning-wise. And, and that's the thing. When you have a superstar like that, and he is on the sideline uh, for games, uh, apparently Jordan McLaughlin had his name retired or his number retired at a high school out in California, and Towns was out there by all reports. We still aren't getting a lot from from Cat. Like, how's he doing? Is he going to be ready? They, they they just haven't given fans, in my opinion, enough info on where Cat is at. And that's been a mistake as well. All right. We got to run. We got the news. We got the weather. We're going to go outdoors with Steve Carney. Big update on college hockey. Jess Myers from the Rink Live joins us. At about 4.20 today, Golden Gophers at Penn State playing the Nittany Lions. Hit a big blowout win, clinch a regular season title in the Big Ten. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.